Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. I am very excited to be speaking to researcher, lecturer, and author, Dr. Jenna Machoki. She's the author of the new book, Your Blueprint for Strong Immunity, Personalize Your Diet and Lifestyle for Better Health. And I loved it. I was, I say this to Jenna in the episode, I was reading this as I was sick, basically thinking, oh, I hate being ill and anything I can do for my immunity, I want to do. So it was perfect timing. I know that lots of people have got coughs and colds and COVID and that sort of thing at the moment. So really hope this episode will help. We discuss whether it's actually possible or not to boost your immune system. And if that is the case, what you can do. We talk about how the immune system impacts our mental health and how we can improve it. And Jenna shares so many practical ideas of things we can do that are simple, that we can fit into our lives to help us mentally as well as physically. We talk about lots of other things like how COVID has impacted her work. Yeah, just the kind of the the difficulties with communicating science to the masses and just really interesting stuff in this episode today. So if you enjoy this episode, would you do me a favour and please share it with someone who may need to hear this today? Maybe someone that's feeling unwell or yeah, anyone that's struggling with their anxiety or confidence. You can share this podcast you know, on WhatsApp or you could take a screen grab and put it into your stories. And if you do that, please do tag me at Chloe Brotheridge because I'd love to see and be able to, to thank you. But anything you can do to help spread the word, I'll be so, so grateful. And I want you to let you know about a new free resource that I've made to help with stress at work. So if you're struggling with work stress, you're feeling overwhelmed, or maybe you're feeling like you never feel good enough at work and you beat yourself up and, and hold yourself back, then this free resource is for you. You can head to my website, karma-u.com forward slash stress and get this free download now. So let's get into the interview with Dr. Jenna Machoki. Thank you so much, Jenna, for joining me today. Um, I've just been reading your book. I've actually been in bed for like the last three or four days reading your book with a cold, just thinking this is like come at the perfect time for, yeah, me personally to be kind of reading this book and thinking about things. So yeah, loved your book. Thank you so much for, for writing it. And yeah, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. I hope you're feeling better. Sorry to hear you're a little bit under the weather. Yes, feeling lots better and just appreciating feeling well. 
I think I don't think I've been sick. I've been really lucky. I don't think I've been sick for quite a while. So yeah, it's just making me appreciate health and immunity and our immune systems. And I was reading your book and like, yeah, just feeling in awe of the body and the immune system and all that it does for us. And like, I love the way that you talk about the science, but make it very accessible and readable. And yeah, could could you share a little bit about what you do and and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, that's probably a good place to start. For some reason, as a child, I always had this fascination with the human body and health and disease, like what kept us well, what what led us to get unwell. I grew up on a farm. I don't know if like you see the whole circle of life. <laughs> Maybe that had something to do with it. But I kind of fell into the field of immunology, which is the study of the immune system, without much guidance, and then completely fell in love with it. And then I um, studied up in Glasgow and just have never looked back. So it was very serendipitous how it came about. But I just find this system in our body just so fascinating. And it's actually quite a new science. So it's sort of branched off of the study of germs, microbiology, the study of microbes. Um, Once we started to realise that some people would be more susceptible to germs if certain bits of their immune system weren't working properly. And I think we very much still view the immune system through this lens of infection protection. But then through the work that I've done, I actually started to realize that it's not just about protecting us from infections. In fact, it's involved in pretty much everything in our body from you know cancer defense, non-infectious diseases, so inflammatory conditions, allergies, asthma, even things like heart disease risk, which is one of the biggest killers globally, and also psychiatric conditions, poor mental health and mood disorders. There's now research documenting how the immune system is involved in those. And um, it just never ceases to amaze me. Um, We always talk about it as being one thing, the system, but actually it's kind of everything and everywhere. So when I teach immunology at the university, you know, we talk about the barriers to the body as being part of your immune system. So that's your skin, the lining of your airways, the lining of your digestive tract, and all the microbes that live on those surfaces, these good microbes that are kind of like our health allies. And then underneath these barriers, you've got lots of white blood cells doing specific things. And then you've got more white blood cells in in your blood and lymphatic system. And then you've got specialized immune cells that live in lymph nodes and bone marrow and spleen and the brain. And it just kind of goes on and on. And suddenly you realize it's it's your whole body, basically, (laughs) and it's connected to every other system. I very much think of it like the brain. It's very much a sensing system. So it has to be aware of what's going on around you in order to be prepared to respond. So there's this direct communication between the immune system and the brain. And interestingly, the immune cells actually have receptors on their surface for many different neurotransmitters. So things like serotonin and dopamine. So there's like this language that's being translated from what you're thinking and feeling to how your immune system is behaving, which to me just blows my mind. That's so, so interesting. I definitely want to ask you more about the the kind of the mental health side of it and how that could link into our immune system. But I suppose one of the first questions, and I, I know you talk about this in the beginning of the book, and I'm sure it's a question you get asked a lot, but there's this idea, I think, for some products maybe that would get marketed that we can take a pill and we can boost our immune system. Or if we like have a cold shower, that will boost our immune system or drink a hot water and lemon in the morning. Can you kind of talk a bit about this and is it possible to boost the immune system or is this kind of like a, a bit of a lie? I, this is something 
Yeah, I get asked a lot. And I'm often, because many people in my field would, would tell me off if I use the word boost. So I, I often have to try and correct journalists and things when they correct me. But I think it's yeah. a term that people, I can really, I can really understand where people are coming from. We want to feel invincible. We want to go out in the world and have our daily life and feel that, you know, we're not going to get sick. So people want to use the term boosting as that kind of putting down that shield. But because it's this complicated system, you know, you start to ask, ask the questions, well, which part do you want to boost and for how long and for how much and how are you going to measure that boosting? And how do you know if you take one supplement that contains these nutrients, it's going to boost the bit that you want? Um, because actually half of your immune system is turning the other half off. Because when it goes raging after germs, it makes you feel quite poorly. So the reason that you feel unwell is because of the response of your immune system to some kind of infection that's invaded your body. And when that infection is gone, you have this other part of your immune system that comes along and turns it off, takes everything back to normal. It heals, it repairs, you know, returns the body to the state it was in before you got unwell. So I think boosting is the wrong term and it's definitely exploited in products that are marketed around the immune system. But when the general public are talking about it, I really am empathetic and I think I know what you mean, but it's perhaps the wrong word to use. And I think, you know, with, with COVID, we've certainly seen that the term immune boosting, certainly on things like Google searches have, you know, increased, you know, dramatically. And also the use of immunity on marketing has also increased. So I think that people can be quite confused. And I often want people not to spend their money on things that might not work before kind of checking in with, you know, all their sort of basic foundations of health, first of all. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting you say there about, you know, we want to feel invincible. I think until I got this cold this week, I think I did feel a bit invincible. I was in a house with my whole family. Everyone had COVID and I was like the only one that didn't get COVID. And I was like, <laughs> right, my healthy diet is paying off and all this sort of thing. But maybe it's been a bit of a wake up call that actually, um, yeah. yeah, I do need to look into this more and pay a bit more attention and learn about the immune system a bit more. Well, I think the funny thing is that... Um, you know, we've evolved as the human species in a world that's full of germs. So the germs were kind of here first. And so that's why we have an immune system, because throughout our evolution, we've had germs trying to invade us, you know, because our bodies offer this nice, moist environment with, you know, access to our nutrients uh, so they can um, replicate. And so we've evolved these immune defences to fight germs, but it's kind of like this to and fro. And it's actually quite normal to get a few minor illnesses per year. And I think that um, I would really encourage everyone to sort of be comfortable with that, because if you at all mix with other people, you know, like you might commute, you might work in a shared space, you live with other people, you go shopping or you, you know, go about your daily life, then you're always exposing yourself to germs. And as much as we can have a really good immune system and do all we can to support it, it's, you know, every now and again, one germ will slip through the net and will come down with, you know, the latest winter lurgy. And so I think relaxing about that and realising and sort of normalising that is a really good thing to set people's mind at ease, particularly after what we've been through with COVID. But then at the same time, if we start to think that people are suffering from infections more frequently, more unusual infections, taking longer to recover, then it's a red flag that maybe we need to go in and investigate a little bit more. So I think you say in the book that it's normal to get up to six 
little coughs or colds or something a year. Yeah. That seems like quite a lot. But yeah, when I think about my friends who've got toddlers who are in nursery, there's always yeah. something. So they probably do get like at least six. Yeah, I think the the for the UK, we quote something like 10 to 12 for children and up to oh. six for adults. And it literally is your exposure, you know, unless you, you know, during lockdown, most of us never got sick because we weren't exposed to the germs. So even if you have really, really good immune defences, every now and again, some little germ will slip through the net. And, and you know, the, the important thing to think about is that you don't feel too ill for too long. So therefore your immune system's on it, it's resilient, it's able to get you back to health in a timely manner. Is it true that if you don't get sick for a while, so say we haven't really obviously been around people as much in the last two years, and I've heard from a lot of people say, I've got this like mega cold, you know, it's like an absolute beast of a cold because maybe we haven't been sick. Would it affect you more if you haven't had those exposures or is that is that a myth as well? You know what, this is, it's a, it's a really, I apologise for not being able to give a simple answer to this, <laughs> um, but it's, it's quite a complicated thing. There's been a lot of headlines calling it the immunity debt. So because we haven't been exposed due to the measures that were brought in by the pandemic, you know, we've got this debt where our immune system is not working as well and we're all going to get really bad coughs and colds this year. Um, and I think it's a hypothesis. We don't quite know yet. What I would say is that different infections affect your immune system differently. So if we take something like chickenpox, which infects the blood, um, most people get it in childhood, and mostly it gives you lifelong immune memory, which means you're protected for the rest of your life. So it's, it, it produces very robust, long-term immunity in the body. And if we compare that to something like rhinovirus, which causes the common cold, our lungs are kind of, um, the environment in our lungs are tolerogenic, we call it. So they try and tolerate the world around us. They don't want to produce lots of immune responses, lots of inflammation, because it could damage the airways and we wouldn't be able to breathe. So when we get an infection in our airways, it's always this trade-off, too much inflammation, when we're fighting off the germ could actually lead us not able to um, breathe anymore. So we don't tend to make really robust immune responses to respiratory viruses anyway. So that means if you got a cold a few years ago, your immunity would wane quite quickly. And then if you got re-exposed to that cold, you wouldn't have that pre-existing immunity to fight it off immediately. And you might get a sort of more milder version of it. And so where we've been locked up with COVID, we might not have had these exposures to the routine coughs and colds. It's possible that then when we do get exposed, any immunity we had before the lockdowns has waned and we get a more exaggerated symptoms. But then if COVID had never happened and we wouldn't have had those lockdowns, we would have had more frequent, milder colds. So it's kind of like, what what would you prefer? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and now that lockdowns are all over and we have no restrictions, at least here in the UK, things return to normal. And I also think it, it depends, what did you do to, during the lockdowns? So um, for some people, not everyone, lockdown was a, a positive experience, lots of time with family, lots of time spent outdoors or doing hobbies or, you know, it changed 
your lifestyle in a beneficial way. So your immune system might actually be restored, renewed, feeling like, you know, you're ready to take on the world. For other people, it may have been extremely stressful. You may have engaged in some really poor diet and lifestyle habits due to the stress of what was going on. And that would then have had a negative knock-on effect on your immune system. So I think it's really difficult to unpick everything. Um, what we have also seen is different patterns of infections because infections spread where people are. So when there's no people mixing, the infections don't spread in their usual way. And I know for certain things like respiratory succinctovirus, which is something that infects young children and can be quite serious, because mothers were not being exposed, babies then were getting it in a different pattern and then being quite ill in hospital. So there's a lot of different factors into the mix. And this is one of the challenges with the immune system is that it's it's so complicated and it's shaped by things we can control and things we cannot control. And unpicking the different elements can sometimes be quite tricky. I, I appreciate that answer. You, you know, you say, oh, sorry, I can't give you like a really simple answer. But And I think sometimes we do want those simple answers, but actually so much in science you know, it is a kind of a, it depends and we're not yeah. really sure. And I think, especially in the last two years with COVID, we've seen so much sort of health misinformation or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love like alternative therapies and I consider myself like quite hippie-ish, but I also have a very like strong scientific side. And it's been really interesting to see the kind of, maybe the kind of alternative health people saying, this is the way it is, this yeah. is definitely happening. Whereas scientists and maybe saying it depends, we're not sure, this might be the case. Yeah. And actually that's not, maybe people find that harder to grasp if they're not yeah. scientifically minded. It's like, it's nicer to have that like straight, clear, like yeah. if you eat broccoli every day, you won't get COVID. Like Exactly. Sort of I think I'm, I'm probably quite unique because I kind of sit somewhere in between. You know, I see people with um, horrible autoimmune conditions having to take prescription drugs, but then also having their their overall sense of well-being and their quality of life improved by making diet and lifestyle changes. But if they took away the prescription drugs, they, they couldn't then have the energy to engage in these positive behaviours. So it's really like fusing together. And I think that's what lacked over the COVID period. The internet became quite a difficult space. And it was like, why aren't we encouraging people to eat better and exercise more? And why are we just saying vaccines, washing hands, all the rest of it? And um, I think in most cases, sometimes you need a bit of both. Um, And I also have a lot of time for the biology of belief. So there's actually a lot of studies done showing that the beliefs you hold can have a powerful effect on your physiology. Um, And I think particularly people who are really unwell um, and if they receive compassionate care and they have a belief that they're going to get better, the studies show that this can trickle down to having better outcomes for people. And so there's a little bit of the placebo effect, but that's not to sort of, you know, shun the placebo effect it is very real we just don't quite understand it yet I think we don't have the tools really to measure how our brain is you know having this um, conversation with our physiology but the way I see it is you know we need to look after our mental health so that we have good physical health because I think if 
you're mm. not in a good state mentally, then you're probably not going to cook the healthy food and do the healthy behaviors that support your physical health. But then equally, physical health really supports our mental health. I mean, the, the, um, the volume of research on exercise for mental well-being is just profound. And so many people I know, like anecdotally, they will engage in, in different physical activities because of the mental health benefits that it brings. And so I love this kind of dynamic where each part is taking care of the other. I think sadly, some point in history, the brain and the body got separated. And then we're now trying to go, oh, wait a minute, we need to bring that back together. Yeah, yeah it's so true, isn't it? It's like the brain is a part of the body. So mm-hmm. of course, what we do with our bodies, you know, can affect our, our mental health. But I love that idea of kind of, yeah, finding a balance between the the scientific side and also knowing that kind of lifestyle things and stress makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, this is just purely anecdotal, but I'm sure lots of us have like been to a festival or gone on holiday, like eaten as a junk food, had late nights and then got like ill on the, on the flight home. Like, is that, (laughs) that's a thing, surely. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote about that in my first book. We call it leisure sickness. So, Uh um, it's kind of when you do leisure activities. So you might be, for example, I'm going on holiday next week and I know that the days ahead of the holiday are going to be really stressful because there's a lot to do and tie up loose ends at work. Yeah. And so we burn the candle at both ends. Um, so we're already a little bit run down and we're stressed, which is having that suppressive effect on our immune system. We might not be sleeping as much because we've got a lot to pack into the days. Then we go to an airport full of people and sit on a plane and you're exposed to more germs. So that exposure part comes into play. And then you go to another country where there's different germs that you may not have immunity to and you're maybe drinking more alcohol or eating more food that you wouldn't normally eat, staying up later, enjoying yourself, and then you get sick (laughs) because all of those little things, there's like one straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, 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 I definitely had that several times. (laughs) Um, I was I was kind of curious just about the COVID thing again, like how has that influenced your work and how you communicate things? How have the last kind of two years changed things yeah. for you? That's a big question. Um, it's it's changed things massively. So I wrote my first book before COVID, before we even knew it existed. And the launch date was just into the first lockdown. So here was me going, oh, I'm launching my first book. And the whole world is not listening because everyone's in panic mode about this thing we don't understand. Schools are closed. We're told to stay home. It was all very strict. And so I was very much interested in the science because just purely as from that scientific perspective, it's this new germ that has uh, come into play and the whole world has its eyes on it. And epidemiologists, microbiologists, virologists, vaccinologists, immunologists, they're all collaborating globally, putting out research at the rate of knots. And it's just it's been fascinating to watch. And I started writing a second book during that time. But at the same time, I slowly stopped posting on social media um, or talking. I've worked with journalists for years and I'm on the science media database for the UK. I stopped being able to talk about it because for one, the information was coming out so quickly. And on the other half, the the misinformation and the the debates on social media and the, the shoutiness from all sides was just becoming like overwhelming. And 
it's almost like you couldn't talk about it without everyone getting really um, mm. difficult. Um, and I, I found it exhausting. Uh, you know, if I put yeah. a post on on my social media and then the comments went crazy, I didn't have the mental energy to, you know, go in and discuss with everyone to the level that you would need to have that kind of debate. And it felt futile. I think social media is not the place to, to hold these debates about very strong feelings on different things. And I get a lot of people in my DMs demanding to know, you know, what my thoughts are on this or sending me a link to something that they want me to read and what do I think of it? And I just thought, you know, I've got a full-time job. I've got two kids. You know, we've come out of this homeschooling lockdown weirdness. We were um, renovating our house. It was all very kind of stressful during that time anyway. And I, I had to make a real decision to maybe just not discuss COVID online. I, mm. I occasionally write about it, but um, I, it just wasn't enjoyable. And I got really annoyed because I was like, here's me being sitting in my tiny corner of the world, discussing the immune system with so much passion because I really such you know so fascinated by this and I want to communicate the science and I want people to embrace their immune system but now the whole world's talking about the immune system and and it's all very noisy uh and I don't know if I um I need to find my place again so but mm. um things evolve don't they and the media sort of switches to different things very quickly and um now it's sort of slowly coming back that it's it's a nice space to talk about it again. This week's podcast is sponsored by Simprove. You know those products that you love telling people about because you know that they'll love them too? Well, Simprove is easily my most recommended product and something that I've been taking myself for years. I was first recommended to take Simprove, a live liquid bacteria food supplement, by a nutritionist when I was having digestive issues a few years ago. And now drinking this product every morning has become part of my morning ritual and I wouldn't be without it. My parents, my two sisters, my boyfriend, even my parents' friends are all taking Simprove now and they love it. And according to Simprove's research, nine out of 10 customers feel the difference. It has massively improved my digestion and I hope it will help you too. You can save 15% on your first 12-week pack of Simprove when you visit simprove.com, that's spelt S-Y-M-P-R-O-V-E, and enter the code CHLOE15. And CHLOE is all in capitals, C-H-L-O-E 15, the number 15. I pop the link in the show notes too. I hope you love it. I wonder if it's a bit like, I've, I've noticed this in like the nutrition world, because I started my career as a nutritionist, um, oh. working in the NHS. And I notice how, because everyone eats and everyone has the mm. diet, you know, we all eat, everyone's yeah. kind of got an opinion and everyone's got an immune system. So everyone's yeah. got an opinion, their own experience, <laughs> this worked for me, this didn't yes. work. And like, it makes it quite, um, you obviously, it's hard to sort of argue with someone's experience, obviously, yeah. but then is everyone exactly. kind of like an expert and it becomes like yeah. quite messy in a way. So I totally yeah. understand why you would want to like, yeah, not be part of that and how, as a as someone that is you know a scientist 
are you held to sort of quite a high standard anyway? So if you kind of like so. you make a mistake or something, you, people could kind of go for yes. you maybe. Yeah, so. I definitely felt that. And I felt there was very much, uh, you know, if you're if you're team science, you just have to repeat the mantra of like masks and, and hand washing and vaccines. And, you know, we don't have the evidence for anything else. And and yes, if you want to draw from the scientific evidence, two years is a very short period in time to make strong conclusions about particular supplements or nutrients because those studies take time to do properly you know you need um, to do an intervention for a certain number of months look at the effects gather the data then put multiple studies together to do what we call like a meta-analysis of many studies building the evidence base before we can conclusively say okay let's do this but you know the WHO did say quite early on that healthier people are better equipped to fight COVID-19 so one of the things I think is that I've been working on trying to communicate for the last few years is that when it comes to the immune system, we're often very reactive. So, oh my God, I've got a cold. What do I do? And so my question would be like, you know, I want to treat the person, not the condition. So mm-hmm. what has that person been doing up until the point they got a cold? And one of the things I write about in the book is this idea of your immunobiography. So your immune system is not something you're born with. It's made over time. It's made through your exposures um, and the things you encounter, the things you do from the environments you frequent, the hobbies you do, the things you habitually eat. So if somebody's got a cold and they're like, which supplement's going to, you know, get me back on my feet within days. I'm like, well, what was your baseline? You know, what Mm. age are you? What have you been doing? Have you been eating well? Are you deficient in everything anyway? You know, then it's like trying to put a bandaid on something that's gushing um, with blood. It's, it's, you know, probably you're not going to find anything that will give you that quick fix. So I really want to flip the conversation that when we talk about our immune system, we appreciate that it's working hard every single day. And we should be taking care of it with the little things we we habitually do every day. So those sort of sustainable small wins. And that puts us in the best possible state to fight off an infection or something that derails us and get us back on our feet. And then, yes, there are your kind of little medicine cabinet of things you can keep indoors for if you do fall sick. But in most cases, there's no need to take these things all the time. It's not almost like taking more of a nutrient. If you don't have a low level of it, it's not going to make you invincible. So if I have sufficient vitamin C in my diet, but I'm taking huge doses of a supplement on top, that's not going to suddenly boost my immune system above its baseline. But Mm. if I get sick and my immune system is working really hard, and so I'm using much higher amounts of vitamin C to fuel that immune response, then supplementing might help me recover quicker if I take it upon onset of symptoms. I feel like sometimes, I know for me anyway, sort of taking supplements is like some way that I can try and exert some control. I think it's probably just like the illusion of control, but I think like if I'm, yeah. I'm taking this, like at least I'm doing something like trying to control things. But yeah. Um, so, so one thing I really wanted to ask you, and I know this is probably like a big topic, but I found it really interesting you talking about the the interaction between like inflammation <clears throat> and mental health. Is that like a massive topic or can you like talk about that in, yeah. a, in a kind of few minutes? <laughs> I'll do my best. I think a good way to think about it is 
when you were unwell this last week or when the, the last time you can remember having a really bad flu or really bad cold, how did you feel? You probably obviously had the symptoms, you know, maybe a blocked nose or a sore throat or a sore head, um, but you probably also felt low on energy. You probably felt a bit socially withdrawn. You might have had a low mood. You might have had um, problems sleeping. You might have felt like, I don't really want to do the things I normally enjoy. And all of those kind of feelings are a response to inflammation in our body. So our immune system's producing inflammation to fight the germs. Inflammation is a helpful thing in that acute setting because uh, without it, we wouldn't be able to fight the germs and we wouldn't survive as, as a species. But the inflammation acts on the brain. So we we know that this um, happens. The brain has receptors for the different inflammatory mediators and it changes our behavior. It's almost like it's telling your body in order to get well, you're going to sit on the sofa and feel lousy and not want to go out and, you know, play with your friends and go to work because that would do two things. It would spread your germs to other people and nobody wants that. And the other thing it would do is it would probably delay you getting well because we need to triage all energy and resources to getting you better because our resting metabolic rate actually raises when we have inflammation in our body. So it's it's using a lot of energy to fight off germs. And the reason I use that example is because we now know that certain subgroups of people with mood disorders have raised inflammation in their body and they do better when they either are treated with some anti-inflammatory drugs that this has been demonstrated in clinical trials or they have been put on some kind of anti-inflammatory diet and lifestyle intervention. And so we're thinking that perhaps not for all people with low mood and depression, but there may be subsets of people for whom this is this is the mechanism that's contributing to their low mood. There's also studies looking at people with autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, um, who have raised inflammation in their body because of their diagnosis. And for a long time, it was thought, well, if you got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, you'd be depressed too. So it's just because of this diagnosis. Then they've done uh, some intervention studies and found that actually it's this raised inflammation acting on their brain causing the, the way that they're feeling and if you can intervene then and control the disease then this is much better so so interesting I did I did feel quite miserable like for at least like a day and a half of, of having a cold so yeah. it makes me feel slightly better that that was maybe just the inflammation that was doing that yes um, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> you're <laughs> Yeah, really interesting. So, so yeah. So, would you would you go as far as to say to people who are struggling with their mental health, you know, look into anti-inflammatory diets, or you know, that's something that yeah. people should be focusing on. Definitely, and I and you know, I really appreciate that when people are struggling with their mental health, often taking care of your diet and lifestyle are one of the first things to go because that becomes too great a challenge but I would really just encourage people to take heart that there are 
now growing number of studies in humans properly conducted, you know, really robust clinical trials. And it's not that we can say, oh, there's one, two, three or four anti-inflammatory foods. It seems to be more the habitual dietary pattern. And many of the studies focus on what we call an anti-inflammatory diet pattern. One example is the Mediterranean diet. You know, you can find a lot of information online of what that actually means. But um, I think you could take the foundations of something like a Mediterranean diet and then apply it to a different type of cuisine. So it doesn't mean you have to eat like, you know, that you live in Italy, but it is uh, based on regular um, oily fish or omega-3 supplements, because this is really important for brain health. But the omega-3 supplement, the fats are actually what our immune system uses to turn off inflammation. So they're, they're transformed in our body to pro-resolving mediators. They're called these molecules that switch off inflammation when it's no longer needed. Then we have the fiber component. So fiber is feeding the gut microbes and sort of cultivating that ecosystem in your gut. Now that does two things. We know that these microbes digest the fiber, produce a whole bunch like your your personalized pharmacy in your body of these byproducts that are absorbed uh, into the body and can act on the brain as well as many other systems. They also have anti-inflammatory effects and you have about 70% of your immune system in your gut that's up close and personal with these gut microbes and they're always communicating. And we actually know that we can intervene in people's diets with um, fiber and we can reduce inflammation levels in the body through this kind of access through the, the microbiome. And then, you know, just looking at that dietary diversity, so things like eating the rainbow. So it doesn't, again, have to be Mediterranean foods, but looking for the colourful fruit and vegetables because the pigments that give these uh, this fresh produce the colour, these are what we call phytochemicals. So we don't have a recommended daily allowance for these as we do with other nutrients like vitamin C, but we kind of seems to be the case that the more the better and I like to call them longevity nutrients because they have this really important role in sort of long-term health and reducing chronic disease risk and again they have this powerful effect on our immune system. I love that thank you for, for sharing that and also thanks for saying that it's, it's kind of complicated, isn't it, I think, when we're talking about diet, because it can be one of those things that's, that can be triggering for people. There's so much yeah. stuff around like diet culture now and how damaging that is for us. And yet, if this is something that really does make a difference to our mental health, it's like we need to talk about this more. But yeah, you talk, you also said there about how when you're depressed, like just getting, yeah. having a shower can be difficult, like let alone like making yourself healthy food. So yeah, yeah. so it's kind of complicated, but I'm, I'm really important to say, I think. Um, and I guess it's not really that in terms of the actual diet itself, like people can go away and Google Mediterranean diet and, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not anything different from like a general, like healthy diet that your doctor would say to, to go yes, on or the exactly. NHS would say. It's not kind of like fancy, like, mainline turmeric or anything like that yeah eat your vegetables basically and have some olive oil exactly olive oil is a great one for for cooking with I did a post about that this week that went a bit crazy because everyone's like but you can't cook with olive oil 
And I was like, well, they've been doing it in the Mediterranean for <laughs> generations. Um, but there's actually a lot of uh, scientific literature showing that you can cook with olive oil. And it has this high quantity of um, polyphenols, which are really important for brain health, for immune health. And it protects the oil when you heat it for most forms of home cooking. So, yeah, it's a really good option. And I think it, it when people can get away from focusing on a few individual superfoods and start to think about your overall diet pattern. It, for me, I find it quite relaxing because I think, well, I can go out, meet friends and really indulge in food that I wouldn't normally eat that might make me feel a bit, you know, uncomfortable afterwards and a few glasses of wine. But in the context of what I've eaten across the week, it's really minimal. So one bad meal does not poor health make. It's it's the overall pattern that counts. And then that gives you a lot of flexibility to, you know, go to social events where you might eat things that are, you know, not so uh, good for your body, but you're getting a lot of benefit by relaxing and enjoying that social um, component because I think um, I like to call it the food prison you know when we're stuck in the food prison and we're worrying about every little thing we're eating we're avoiding going to restaurants or we're you know only ordering certain things on the menu because we've heard other things are you know going to be detrimental for our health then that mental load to me I think is going to be worse for your immune system than just having the pizza or whatever it is that you've you know worried about consuming yes yes that's so true so true where, where should people start then if they want to do something with their immune system? Is it with the kind of diet stuff? Is there, is there like another like practical thing people can do to, to, to get started yeah, that, with? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. I do think that, yeah, I would love people to take away from this that we shouldn't wait till we get sick and then grab, you know, our vitamin C supplement. There might be a place for that, but what we really need to do is work on the foundations because that's going to give us much more than, you know, be, be preventative rather than be reactive once we actually get sick. And our immune system is shaped by many things. And I like to break it down into sort of the five lifestyle levers. And I cover these in a lot more depth in, in the book. And so food is the first one. I think food is very tangible for people as a way to feel like they're doing something for their with their health and well-being and I talk about the different nutrients so the protective nutrition that's anti-inflammatory antioxidant it's providing our immune cells with specific plant chemicals that we know uh, they need so this is all the colorful fruits and vegetables leafy greens then the strengthening nutrition so the building blocks because we are, you know you need to have those raw materials to make antibodies and things so that's protein and there's different um bits to be said for whether you get from animals or plants i cover that in more depth in the book and then fueling nutrition so you need to fuel your immune cells you need to give them the right quality and quantity of carbohydrates so that's the minimally processed whole grains legumes you know the the food that is um as near to how it should be not the highly processed cakes and sugar added foods um and then the healthy fats so the olive oil omega-3 fats and i think you also have to address your relationship with food look at things like blood sugar control this is a big part of it and i have a lot of um tips in the book for how to do this um and think about your sort of metabolic health as well. So if you have an underlying thing like type 2 diabetes, we know that 
inflammation, unwanted inflammation in the body can drive um, insulin resistance, which is the precursor to, to metabolic syndrome. So working that anti-inflammatory diet pattern is going to have a downstream effect on that. The second lever is really the sort of mental health piece. So stress is a big part of it just because you know, stress is meant to be motivational. It's supposed to get you to where you need to be. You might be about to be hit by a bus and you have to run. You need a sudden energy uh, and motivation to do that. And that's what stress provides. You might have a deadline and you need a little bit of, you know, get up and go to keep you going. Stress is what gets us out of bed in the morning. We have rising stress chemistry that, you know, makes you leap out of bed, hopefully. But sadly, when it goes too long or we don't have ways to to counterbalance it it can overwhelm the system and the body has to then make some decisions and it will triage towards the stress response and say well we're just going to turn off the immune system because it's quite energetically costly and we've got to put all our energy into the stress response and so in that case you're leaving yourself really vulnerable to um, getting sick and I know from personal experience I got a cold a few years ago I'd just gone back to work after having my kids I was very stressed uh, just the, getting used to that whole new mum back at work thing and I ignored my cold because I was like how could I possibly take a day off to get over this cold uh and then I ended up with pneumonia and couldn't get out of bed for a week mm. and that was really embarrassing because people are looking at me thinking you should really know better oh, no. <laughs> so I would encourage anybody who's ever had a cold and I talk about this in the book this presenteeism you know showing up because we think we have to look like we're motivated at work when actually if you're not well the science tells as you're not functioning very well and you're spreading your germs to other people and you're probably going to take longer to get better so having that one day on the sofa might be better than five days dragging yourself into the office and not being productive but then within the sort of mental health lever you also have your emotional and your social well-being so we are a social species we know that loneliness can be really detrimental to the immune system we know that different emotions can affect how well our immune system functions i've been reading about the studies done on self-compassion and how the people who are taught self-compassion techniques have measurable benefits seen in their immune function so just being kinder to yourself and I sort of think gosh I wish I had been told this when I was much younger mm. <laughs> it's taken me a really long time and then suddenly I'm like oh, if I start being kinder to myself life is just a lot easier because there's a lot of things to deal with anyway in the day-to-day -day life and just appreciating that you know giving yourself some compassion it's uh, yeah it's a secret superpower I think yeah, so we've got diet and sort of the whole relationship to food, um, the mental health aspect, then things like physical activity. So I really want to rebrand it from exercise because I think you can't sit all day and then undo it by going to the gym for an hour in the evening. So sitting is an independent risk factor for inflammatory conditions. Um, so we just need to move more. We need to move more often and we need to move in lots of different ways. I'm quite passionate about getting people to look after their muscle mass. We, we kind of... Um, Please second fiddle to things like cardio and walking, swimming, running. We don't 
often think that we should be a twice a week at least doing some kind of resistance work um, when our muscles start to go our health starts to go and it um, accelerates the age of our immune system so you might be 40 but your immune system's acting like you're 60 so the muscles are really really important for that so you've got diet we've got mental health we've got physical activity then sleep and rest so i'm sure anyone would say after a poor night's sleep they haven't functioned quite as well as they would like and it really is kind of the bedrock to your immune system if you think about it your immune system has to do different jobs during the day and night so during the day you're out and about going about your daily life you're much more likely to be injured or come into contact with germs but then at night when you're sleeping uh, and you're not coming into contact with lots of people your immune system does more of a housekeeping function so it's healing it's repairing it's removing a lot of the kind of metabolic waste from your daily uh, day-to-day activities through the lymphatic system and so that's really important uh, one to work on and then where are we at the final one oh your environment So we don't often think about our environment and how it makes us feel. But if you've ever been in a really stuffy office or a conference room or somewhere where there's no daylight and you come out and you think, oh, gosh, it's really good to be out of there. You can start to appreciate how environments make us feel. And we we can extrapolate from some of the scientific literature on people recovering from illness and pleasant environments. We know there's a huge body of evidence on nature having both direct effects on immune function but also indirect effects by um you know things like lowering stress you know or if you go for a walk with a friend you're you're getting outdoors you're getting physical activity you're socializing but you're also benefiting your immune system and i think we don't really appreciate how much the environment can affect our our well-being so i kind of look at these five levers and i tell people just focus on one turn it up one percent do something sustainable that you can do on your worst day as well as your best day to improve that one area and when you start to get that positive mental feedback when you've achieved this really small goal that you've set yourself then it spurs you on to keep going and really kind of drown out the noise of the quick fix just really focus on small stable sustainable steps in the right direction and then go on to the next one and think of them all like little dials that we're going to tweak and sometimes you might end up dialing back to where you started but you know all you have to do is think tomorrow starts today we just keep going and try again and just knowing that you're looking after those foundations is really important i think in building towards your future health so it's helping protect you from getting ill today but also in the future there's so much gold in like the last that, that five minutes of what you just shared. So, so good. Yeah, it really made me think when you said about the kind of sitting. Sitting is a, you know, pro-inflammatory. I can't remember exactly what you said, but yeah, I've been doing a lot of sitting recently. I've had obviously been sick. I'm pregnant at the moment. I was told not to do the gym stuff, but I really yeah. need to get out more and do, do more walks. And even this morning, even before we spoke, I was thinking, right, I'm going to try and get out just for 10 minutes a day. But now that we've spoken, that's really solidified that in my mind that you know actually I could be inflaming myself by sitting (laughs) too much at my laptop and need to get up and out and out in nature a bit more and I think the important thing to remember is I mean between like my job and writing a book there was a lot of sitting involved and it kind of drove me a bit crazy (laughs) and I think it's important to remember that you know we talk about what we should be doing 
but putting it into practice is really hard and all of us find it hard. I mean, a lot of this book was written from me thinking, gosh, this is the book I need to read to have a framework for how to personalise and and, and um, turn the theory into practice because that's where the gap is. Uh, and I don't always get it right. Um, but I think having that consciousness of it can be really, really helpful. And just realising that the small is more beneficial because the aggregation of marginal gains, you know, the small things build up. Whereas if you just put it off, put it off, put it off until you have, you know, a big bit of time to go to the gym, then, you know, you've missed out on lots of little opportunities. Sometimes I take like a 30 minute workout and I break it down into three 10 minute sessions mm. and then if I'm working at home just to get me away from the computer I'll just do each little block in between and I'll try and do the school run and and not drive and you know walk to get groceries and just whatever I can to be moving and I get to the end of the day and I know that I feel better but I tend to sleep better and so it's you know all of those little things kind of trickle in together yeah yeah I like that idea of splitting up the workout that's a great idea and yeah we um we haven't got time to get into it now unfortunately but in your book I love how you talk about how to be consistent and how to kind of set some simple goals around making these changes so that it's you're not just telling people what to do it's like how can people actually incorporate it into their lives so I love that yeah thank you so much for everything you shared it's been so fascinating where can people find out more about you and buy your book? The book is called Your Blueprint for Strong Immunity, Personalise Your Diet and Lifestyle for Better Health. Oh, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, I'm most active on Instagram. I'm slowly trying to get my head around TikTok. Not sure if I can fully embrace another social media platform. Oh, yeah. um, my website is drjennamachocchi.com. Machocchi is M-A-C-C-I-O-C-H-I. My uh, Instagram handle is at Dr. So Dr. Underscore Jenna Underscore Machoki. And yeah, your blueprint for strong immunity is out now. I think it's available most places in the UK. Um, hopefully we can get more of a global release uh, coming up soon, depending on how it does. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for everything you shared. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget, you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions. Please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram. I'm hanging out there every day. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today. So I'm sending you loads of love and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 